need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. And I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And uh, hey, hail to the victory. Michigan, right? Michigan put a whomping on Washington. So kudos to Michigan. And I have some friends that are big fans of Michigan. I am a big fan of Big Ten, so... Uh, I was rooting for Michigan, but if Michigan was playing Ohio State, I go with Ohio State. If Michigan's playing Penn State, I go with Penn State. If Michigan's playing my Colorado Buffaloes, which is my new team, I go with Colorado Buffaloes. But, yeah, I don't even want to get into the uh, whole uh, political thing uh, where Michigan goes against Clemson because I don't even know. It depends on the year that they're having because my father loves Clemson. That's his favorite team. and uh, But in any case, I got to tell you, I'm really proud of the boys up in Michigan, and I'm happy about that game. Uh, we finally got like an undefeated team. Two undefeated teams showed up and played their hearts out, and uh, the best team won, and that was Michigan. So kudos to Michigan for that. But uh, it was a big game. I love college football. I love college sports. And the NCAA seems to be, you know, wanting to really ruin it with this trans athlete thing. I think that the trans athletes should have their own league. I wonder how many people would tune in for that freak show. (laughs) The mental illness games, right? (laughs) It's crazy, honestly, when you think about it. We're we're being led by a bunch of um, brain... brain, uh, dysfunction uh, which seems to be half of our congressmen right I mean the thing is is that I love it when I hear these people whether it's Vivek or whether it is um, you know someone like uh, uh, you know Ben Shapiro or someone like that, that that's that's talking about 
uh, and we've played these audios uh, recently about sincerely being, you know, caring and concerning about trans people and their well-being and their health, you know, because we love all people. We don't want the trans mental illness to infect our children and and groom our children. That's all. And and if we stand up and reject what they're trying to do, then we reject uh, we reject it and we stand up for ourselves. We say, hey, don't be talking to my child like that. The FBI decides that we are a terrorist group as the concerning parent. And the teachers' unions and a lot of the liberal politicians seem to think that somehow the teachers' unions know best what to teach your children. The only problem is they're radically left, they're misguided, and they're as sick as any mental ill patient that we've known in the history of mankind. They're as sick as Hitler. And you know, there's a lot of this going around again. It's a political season. It's 2024. So of course, all Republicans that support Trump are fascists. And it's it's absolutely stunning and, and crazy that we're living in this world where this can be. Remember, I played an audio clip last week. Larry Fink said what? Something really profound. He said that 20, 30 trillion, 22 trillion, I think the number was, he said 22 trillion or 20 trillion. But let's just say it's 20 trillion. 20 trillion dollars is going to shift from the baby boomer to Gen Z. The, the future leaders of, the leaders of tomorrow are, are the children of today. And they are investing in their future. Just like, you know, if you got a cheap treasury bill gift for $500 back in the 1970s, what, what is it worth today? You know, it's, it's like uh, pl- planning for your retirement. And they have it, you know, that's the one thing I would say is that the Democrats, they're all in. They're on a mission. One thing that I was, when I was putting the show together today, I was thinking to myself, you know, it's time to take the gloves off, man. I was listening to Michelle Obama, Big Mike. And I was listening to her BS. And they're all coming out. Barack, Big Mike. You know, they got away with killing their chef. Now, I don't know whether they killed this chef. I I actually think there's some shenanigans going on there for sure. You know, their chef dying on a surfboard (laughs) I mean they lied they covered it up again it's the cover up they get away with it 
We have two standards of justice. We have an uncontrollable liberal agenda media. We are living in a time where we literally do not have a news source media. It's citizen journalist. We've gone into the Stone Ages, folks, where people learn about the news through word of mouth. Literally. It has gotten so bad out there. I don't even watch Fox News. I used to DVR Fox and Friends. No longer. They got, there are not even three people now. There are four people. They got the Lawrence Jones guy, who is, to me, not impressive. And I was like, enough. Brian Kilmeade, you know, he, he just wants to suck on the tit of Ukraine. Like, he is a neocon's neocon. He and Lindsey Graham, you know, could do shots together. It's unreal how stupid Brian Kilmeade is. You know, I see clips of Jesse Waters, and I still like some of the stuff he does, and but I don't even watch it. The only thing I watch now is the only thing that's left standing over at the Fox News Network, News Corp, is Maria Bartiroma. She's like the only person I could trust over there. So I watch a lot of YouTubes. Clayton Morris comes to mind. Benny Johnson comes to mind. And soon I'm going to be doing, I'm, I'm working on a studio design. And I'm going to be doing these uh, video vignettes in the, in the coming weeks. Uh, I don't know when. When I get my stuff right. I have a lot of other things going on in my life. But uh, a, lot of, a lot of outside uh, media things. Things I do to actually pay the bills. Um, but uh, in any case, it's just crazy out there. We're, we're, we're our own. We're living with no freedoms. I mean, ever since every single thing that's happened down the pike, whether it's 9-11 and the Patriot Act and, and wiretapping, enter social media. Again, social media could have been great. Hey, the computer could have been great. Hey, Bill Gates could have been great, right? Hey, Windows 95, Windows 98, Windows Millennium, Windows, do you remember them? Windows XP, Vista. I can go all the way up the chain. I think it was uh, 7, 8, 10. And here we are with 11, which stinks. Stick with 10. My computers have 10, Windows 10. And I have a Mac. But hey, listen. The thing is, is that the... uh, All these things were an opportunity to be great. To, to, to actually advance the cycle of life, to, to evolve as people, to be better, to make the world a better place. And here we are. And it just doesn't work out that way, does it? We have no privacy. Our Fourth Amendment search and seizure is gone. Our First Amendment speech has been trampled all upon. 
You know, and it's all from what? What is it? From people that don't need to obey the the uh, Constitution. Oh, it's a private business, private sector. It's all these people that have been propped up by our government, by our CIA, by our State Department, by all these MKUltra uh, mechanisms and DARPA and all these different things that are basically put in the hands. And isn't that what World Economic Forum and their Davos meetings are all about? Combining the money and influence of private sector, of corporations that don't, that are not bound by any constitution of any country. They're global countries. They're global corporations, I mean. And, and, and emerging, we have this global uh, super corporate monopoly. And BlackRock is the feeder where they're taking all the money that they have gained and it's a Ponzi scheme. The whole world economy is a Ponzi scheme controlled by a very few people who want to control your behavior and who want to indoctrinate principles and ideologies and mechanisms to corral you, to control you, to censor you, to, I mean, well, control and censor is the same thing. But this open border policy is all part of that. This climate initiative, this climate scam is part of that. The scamdemic, the fake-demic, the, the, the whole thing is part of that. COVID was part of it. They milked that for all it's worth. 9-11 may have happened sincerely from a terrorist group. Was it planned? I don't know. But the reaction to the plan, the mechanism, the, the, the cure, what did Trump say? The cure cannot be better, uh, worse than the actual virus itself. That's what he said about COVID. The cure cannot be, and it was, they blew it up. They blew up the world for a disease, a virus that kills 1% of the human population, not even 1%. And everybody's solution that was accepted got them, not only did did it make them money, it's sort of like if if the spouse kills if the spouse kills their partner um, and they just took out a life insurance policy, you could better believe that follow the money, right? I mean, there's motive there, right? Money. So this whole thing about redistribu- redistribution of wealth, which is really the key component of today's show, Although it's not going to seem like that because I don't, I don't really have a lot of tangible on it. I mean, I could, if I, but the the main thing I, I wrote down in my notes: but redistribution of wealth, universal basic income, working to get by versus American dream. How many times have we heard Joe Biden say, "You know, 
they just need to get by. They need to, you know, get a break. You know, they just trying to scrap things together. Here he is, you know, with his son doing crack all over the place, tattoos, no teeth, a disgusting human being. And the Biden crime family is just, you know, people, people, for anybody that sits in a room with Joe Biden and applauds when he speaks, is it's got a screw loose. They they have to have a mental condition. <clears throat> I mean, because words matter, right? This guy can't even speak words. But he's lied so much. He stands for nothing. And we're $34 trillion in debt. But this whole thing about, you know, getting by, that's not the American dream. (coughs) It's not the American dream. And this redistribution of wealth is happening. It's happening with the pandemic. It happened with the Patriot Act. It happened with um, all these multilateral trade deals. It's divisive. It's happening within uh, race relations, which I think the America was so fine. Dr. Welby would would give you a A plus condition grade. You're healthy as an ox. We were healthy until Barack Hussein came along and decided to stoke the flames. And that, in and of itself, would not have worked. But what he did was he he bought off favor by redistributing wealth through tax policy. And he got people to say yes to him by paying them. I mean, that's what they're trying to do with the student loan forgiveness. That's what they do with redistribution of wealth <coughs> and universal basic income. Where no matter what your performance is, you're going to make the same as the person who sits on the couch and votes Democrat. The moron that thinks that somehow Joe Biden is great. Right? That person's vote counts the same as yours. And that person, through universal basic income, is going to make the same amount of money as you. No matter what. I mean, if they could buy Twinkies all day long, and you could buy vegetables all day long. And because you're healthier, they're still going to get the same health plan as you. And they're going to need it. And accommodations are going to be made for their deficits. Always. And they're going to consume more. They're going to eat more. They're going to get more because of their bad behavior. And that's what always happens because we live in a world of billions of people. There's always going to be diversity. There's always going to be people with more and people with less. There's always going to be people with great looks and people with not so great looks. There's always going to be people with weight problems and there's going to be people that are naturally just super fit without even trying. 
There are going to be supermodels and there's going to be someone else. There's always going to be an inequity. No matter how much Kamala Harris wants to tell you about equity, it's never going to be equitable in life. Equality is the answer. Competition is the answer. So let's take a listen to this. I I, I was just browsing the uh, trends on what was trending. I have a lot. I have a lot of things I want to share with you today that that were pre prepared yesterday. But I had some other stuff that I, I was also looking for some new stuff. And uh, I was listening to this. I only listened to half of it because I didn't have time. The show was starting. And I, but I wanted to li- take a listen to this. So um, I haven't even heard this. So if there's a curse word, I'm, I'm going to be shocked. But I don't think there is. All right. So let's take a listen. Do you guys remember the last election year? I do very clearly. <clears throat> it was the George Floyd thing and the BLM riots and the pandemic, COVID, you know, the two weeks to flatten the curve. That's what happened in the last election. You have your head in the sand if you think they're not going to do worse than what they did last time to pull off what they did. The 2024 election year, they will literally pull out every single thing they can possibly think of to make sure that their agenda moves forward. It's time to get your family ready. It's time to do whatever you can to get prepared, okay? I love you. It's going to be a great year. There's going to be a lot of fun things that are going to happen, but it's also time to face what's coming and get ready. I would rather be called a fear monger and be right than for all of you when actually everything hits the fan and you're not ready to say, I wish someone would have told me. Do you guys? I agree 100%. I'm glad I played that. I, I didn't hear, I, I didn't know exactly what she was going to say. But I knew it was good um, based on who shared that with me. But uh, I have to say, um, you know, I've heard of the black swan and I've heard of a lot of stuff's going to go down. I hope and pray that we don't have an assassination of any type. Like, I hope it doesn't get to that. And I, I mean, that goes for Joe Biden. That goes for Donald Trump. That goes for anyone. I say that with absolute certainty that uh, I don't want anyone to get injured or hurt or lost, uh, lose their life over over this election. But I hear Black Swan dialogue, and what they what they really mean about black black swans when they're talking about that. You're talking about shenanigans. You're talking about, you know internet outages and you're talking about a worldwide hacks and computer shutdowns and you're talking about breaches of security in your data and uh you know maybe martial law or an engineered weather condition um there's a whole bunch of things that could happen <clears throat> another scamdemic right or or some sort of climate event, you know. And these black swan events are going to somehow cause changes in restrictions, 
regarding the election. And I think that's just, again, what we have to do as people is stop or refute or stand up and reject wholeheartedly the government taking a bite out of your apple in the name of it being temporary and being an emergency. What we have to do is we have to prevent that. Like, if 9-11 ever happens again, and God forbid it does, you know, we don't want that. But if 9-11 or some tragic thing like that happens again, never again should you trust your government. Ever. Never again should you trust your government with something like the Patriot Act, where they said, we just have to do it to try to uh, uh, get the terrorists. Well, that should have been temporary. We don't have a terrorist problem in our country. Well, we probably do. We have an open border. Certainly, we have a terrorist problem. But, I mean, that whole 9-11 thing is over. You know, like like uh, the Civil War. You know, we, we we don't have the same concerns that people in 1885 had 20 years after the Civil War. I mean, at some point, you have to put the Patriot Act back to bed. And the FISA courts have to be shut down. And all these uh, eavesdropping and censorship you know these these things section 230 in the in, in the social media you know we should have a right to sue pfizer we should have a right to sue mark zuckerberg and facebook we should have a right to sue these social media outlets that infringed upon our civil liberties and cost us hundreds of thousands of dollars there are a lot of people like Alex Jones, for example, lost millions of dollars being deplatformed by Jack Dorsey in, on Twitter back in the day and being censored by Alphabet Company Incorporated, uh, Google and YouTube. You know, Russian Today, Russia Today and, uh, and uh, all of their media outlets um, should have a right to sue for uh, being deplatformed, for simply telling their side of the story. They were deplatformed. <clears throat> um, they had like three out- outlets. I forget the names of them now, but uh, Russian Today and and two others. Rupley, uh, I think, was one, and another one, and uh, and they were all deplatformed so that we couldn't know the truth about Ukraine which has never been audited <laughs> and yet they still want more money to go to Ukraine <clears throat> everybody loves to get more money don't they again the money goes like we said yesterday and last week and the week before and the week before and the week before <clears throat> the money goes into these theaters and what comes out is that they're told that they have to work with certain vendors, like the Carlisle Group or 
Anthony Blinken's foundation called West Exec and, uh, you know, other groups. And, and basically, they're all in the beltway. They take that money, the millions of dollars that nobody's donating to them. But yet we're giving taxpayers from the Midwest, people in Kentucky, tax dollars are going to Ukraine and going to the Middle East, Iran. And somehow we're assured, like Kirby, we played that audio clip from Kirby. We're going to track every last red cent. And then all of a sudden, months later, two months later, they come up and they they basically, oh, I have no idea. I'll take it back to you on that. I'll have to circle back on the uh, money part. <clears throat> so it's it's kind of crazy. You know, they just lie and lie and lie. So the money goes over there and they were, we were told that Certain vendors, the the money's going to come with strings attached. You're going to have to perform these things. You're going to have to work with these groups. Who are the groups? Oh, the groups are, you know, Anthony Blinken's group, West Exec, the Carlisle group, which the Bushes sat on the the board with, and all these other companies with PR firms and lobbyists and K Street lawyers, all working with politicians donating to their campaigns and their foundations, flying them to country clubs, giving them gold bars, giving them insider tips on trade. You name it. And they're getting paid off handsomely, royally. Yeah, they're working on Wall Street too. They're taking that money and they're investing it and they're making a mint on insider trader tips. Everybody's getting rich but you. They're turning your tax dollars into millions through this improper... And no one's going to investigate themselves. And the whole government's corrupt. Sadly, that's where we are right now as a country. Sadly. So, new Michelle Obama insinuates that Donald Trump keeps her up at night and says she is terrified of what could happen in the next election. So, Big Mike is worried. So, Big Mike and his husband, Barack Obama, are worth $70 million, live in Martha's Vineyard, yet Donald Trump has found a way to keep her up at night. Remarkable. These are the things that keep me up at night because, you know, you don't have control over them. Like we do with Brock. I mean, well, like we do with Joe Biden, right? Let's take a listen. The things that yeah. keep me up because you, you don't have control over them. Mm-hmm. And you wonder, where are people, where are we in this? You know, where are our hearts? What's going to happen in this next election? I am terrified about what could possibly happen. Because our leaders matter, who we select, who speaks for us, who holds that bully pulpit. It affects us in ways that sometimes I think people take for granted. The things that keep. So I wonder, you know, if a lot of I've heard this rumor quite a bit. And that is Joe Biden's not going to make it to the finish line. 
And Gavin Newsom is not ready for prime time. And the Obamas want to control everything, and they are. I mean, they certainly are controlling Netflix, right? And they, you know, they came out and they produced their first movie, and it was this one about, you know, killing all white people and, you know, and cyber attack and all kinds of weird stuff that, you know, normally a former president would never touch. But there they are, the Obamas. They're this megalomaniacs, right? <clears throat> and so a lot of people are thinking that Big Mike is going to enter the arena and save the Democrat Party. I don't know. Would that be considered, if, if he, you know, would that be considered the first woman president? Maybe? I don't know. Uh, I, I think, again, just like, you know, was was Obama the first unnaturally born citizen, like from Kenya? Was Big Mike the first tranny, uh, you know, president? Uh, who knows? Who knows? So... Here is another one, uh, just, well, th- this is an audio clip I'm not going to play. It's just, here's Michelle Obama's statement about how Donald Trump lacks maturity and morale, right? So she just trashes Trump for like, a, they're so obsessed with Trump, right? Because Trump is, doesn't adhere to the political correctness of ver- verbiage, Sort of like Vivek Ramaswamy, which is why I think that Vivek is probably on the short list for Trump. He's unflappable. He would... <laughs> a debate. I hesitate to say this because a debate between Vivek and Kamala would be a, just a train wreck for Kamala. And that's exactly what I said, though, when... Mitt Romney chose Paul Ryan. And at the time, I thought Paul Ryan, you know, he's a budget guy. He's pragmatic. He's smart, right? I thought Paul Ryan's going to wipe the floor with, uh, I think it was Joe Biden, right? Yep. And uh, and he didn't. And I was like, wow, Paul Ryan's not ready for prime time. Weak. And, you know, we now know what Mitt Romney is, too. So I just basically um, keep my eye on on that that situation. So Gaina Fauci uh, wrote this. What if I told you that the exact same former FBI agent that led Governor Whitmer's kidnapping hoax in Michigan was also the assistant director in charge in D.C. on January 6th and then later led the FBI's Washington field office at the time of the Trump Mar-a-Lago raid. What if I told you that? I'm going to read that one more time so you can grasp it. Are you grasping it? I hope so. Because this is real. What if I told you that the exact same former FBI agent that led the Governor Whitmer kidnapping hoax in Michigan, was also the assistant director in charge in D.C. on January 6th. 
and then later led the FBI's Washington field office at the time of the Trump Mar-a-Lago raid. Continue. What if I told you that this man, Stephen Tuono, I'm going to spell that last name because I butchered it. Stephen is spelled with a V. And D'Antono is D apostrophe A N T U O N O. D'Antono. D'Antuno. Abruptly decided to re- resign. So, what if I told you that Stephen D'Antonio uh, abruptly decided to resign and join the private sector right as congressional Republicans prepare to launch a probe into the Bureau? So, Detroit's top FBI agent promoted to field office, okay, and top FBI officials steps down as Republicans prepare to probe into Bureau. Yep. That's the way it's that's the way it's done. Yep, there it is. That's some first first level corruption right there. So, says the 81 million uh vote guy who's bouncing on the bungee cord of Barack Obama's hope and divide presidency. <laughs> Americans know the truth. The installed Biden participated in the Fed surrection to rubber stamp the sham of 2020. J6 was Democrats' big lie, the deception of a lifetime, impossible to pull off without a complicit press and a controlled opposition who dysfunctionally just want to be loved by Democrats no matter the GOP losses. Personal animus for the orange man drove the select committee to keep the sealed capital surveillance from the public. Along with five days of intelligence asset Ray Epps communications with House Speaker Pelosi carried out in a secret in secret in the days leading up to the J6. Rhino Tools made the whole thing possible. Liz at uh, Liz Cheney, Adam Kinzinger, Mitch McConnell, etc. Their devotion to tilt blue to bar Trump from the White House continues to this day. So let's take a listen to this little clip. He calls those who oppose him vermin. He talks about the blood of America as being poisoned. Echoing the same exact language. He's so angry. Used in Nazi Germany. Yeah, he's the Nazi. Proudly post on social media the words that best describe his 2024 campaign. Quote, revenge, quote, power, and quote, dictatorship. There's no confusion about who Trump is, what he intends to do. He calls those... What a monster, right? How out of touch can the Democrats possibly be? All right, I have this clip. I have to play it for you. It's so good. It's Vivek Ramaswamy. And I wanted to play it yesterday, but I ran out of time. So uh, before we get to that, though, I'm going to re- report this. Uh, Chinese capital Beijing experienced its coldest December since records began in 1951. In 1970, the story was that we would all freeze to death. Then it changed that we would all boil to death. 
Now they say that the temperature changes, so we can't complain, right? They're right. They finally got it right. The temperature changes. Chinese has record low temperatures. Europe has record low temperatures, yet they want to spend 50 plus trillion dollars of your wealth on fixing the weather. So Europe has one of the coldest winters in 20 years. Snow is piling up like crazy everywhere. Germany just has 20 plus inches of snow in multiple places. They still threaten you with global warming, ice caps, uh, melting oceans, the whole ball of wax. See? It's nuts. It's, uh, it's, It's such a scam. The climate hoax is such a scam. Don't believe the hype. So... Here, through the years, Time Magazine says, The cooling of America. Time, the big freeze. Time, the big freeze. Another, uh, and the the time, the global warming survival guide. Time, another cover. Be worried. Be very worried um, about climate change and global warming. And and, uh, these were all titles on Time covers. Full Tilt. It's absolutely stunning. All right, we got these Vivek clips. They're so, so good. Um, let's take a listen. All right, so uh, we're going to play this right here. Um, Talk about what, uh, white supremacy and what happened last night for a moment, because when you were talking to reporters last night, you called white supremacy a myth. When someone asked you about Dylan Roof, you said you didn't know who that is. Have you looked up what happened in 2015? Yeah. Yeah, look, I, I, I've said I've, I said this last night. Invidious racial discrimination is wrong no matter how it happens. But if a Washington Post reporter is asking me almost like a catechism, whatever question I said, I'm against invidious racial discrimination, whatever form it takes, but says, do you denounce white supremacy? It's incumbent on us for us to define what white supremacy is. I wrote my book, Woke Inc., and I've written about the detailed understanding of what the popular understanding of these terms have come to mean. Do you believe punctuality is a vestige of white supremacy, Dasha? Look, because if you don't, then you have a disagreement about many of the people who are defining those terms or the written word or the use or the nuclear family. This is these aren't my words. These are the words of intellectual proponents from Ibram Kendi to the Ayanna Presley's to BLM that have said these are vestiges of white supremacy. So we can't have it both ways. We have to have an honest discussion. This is not a straw man. You brought up Jesse Smollett as the the best example of white supremacy. was the hottest thing in news in the back of a fake actual attack on him that we have to contend with. And yet, and yet, you have examples like the Buffalo shooter in New York just in 2022. You have other examples. But you are also cherry picking when you bring up Jesse so I'll look, I'll look at all of the statistics. More black-on-black black crime. If you really care about actual crime against black Americans, let's get to the root causes of it in the inner cities of this look, country. The Anti-Defamation League tracked a 38 percent increase in white supremacist propaganda last who's, who's year. Who's tracking that? The Anti-Defamation League. Yeah, the ADL. I don't think is a particularly credible source so when they have cherry-picked information. So who are we supposed to look to when we're talking about this? I, I would suggest look at the, There's a table, two-by-two two table. Federal law enforcement data, which you could say what you do. Maybe maybe we shouldn't believe that either. But okay. look at black the on Asian FBI, crime, black on black crimes, crime. The FBI white hate black crime, crime statistics. That's a, a law enforcement agency. Uh, 59.1% was based itself. on race, ethnicity, I look at absolute and violence. ancestry, saying hate crimes rose 12% between 2020 and 2021. Look at the absolute crimes themselves. What they classify as a hate crime is itself a political judgment. 
I think that when you actually care about protecting life, if you want to say Black Lives Matter, let's look at where Black lives are actually being lost. It's in the cities, at the heart of other look, Black Americans and criminals and this, and that's that are restrained by the absence of That we talk about as well, but are we supposed we to be. ignore white supremacist hate crimes? We're not supposed to ignore any kind of crime, Dasha. That's what I say. But what I see is a selective reporting. Take the Nashville Transgender Shooter Manifesto. Every shooter manifesto in a mass shooting has been released within 48 hours, except for that one shooter in Nashville. Now, it ended up being leaked. What do you see? It wasn't uh, It wasn't a white supremacist. It was somebody that was actually making fun of using derogatory terms. I believe okay, so why are Cracker you okay talking about that, that manifesto rest, and not keep talking not about the I'm manifesto okay. from I'm okay talking the about 2015? Both. I'm more than okay shooting. talking about both. But what I'm asking is, why is the mainstream media suppressed that one? Why did the police suppress that one? Why was that the one shooter manifesto? that of all of the mass shootings, every other shooter manifesto has been released. I'm focused on that one because that's the one that's been hidden from us. And it comes back to the point of my candidacy and the way I'm gonna run this country. Trust the people with the truth. If it doesn't match but your narrative, the reality is right now, I think the media did not hold the police accountable. They would have been demanding that. Republicans are actually starting to gain that was, ground, gain traction that was with the black community, with Latino and, voters. And, and Do and not worry thing. that your no, rhetoric th is pushing them away. There are folks to the in, contrary. In I think we're going to bring GOP black people right now, into this movement. Who are movement. concerned about your rhetoric? Well, you know what? I'm concerned about their corruption. If you have somebody who actually one of the most one of prominent black influencer the other day, she's what did she say? I've been black my whole life, and this man could actually unify this country in response to a long exchange I had with a black pastor who at an event here in Iowa did challenge me with a hard question, asking me, "Are my views against affirmative action? How do those align with historical affirmative racial injustice?" Affirmative action is a debate that is being had. If you I may, can, you can if I may just finish this, if I may finish my point, Dasha, with racism, I think I will be but better you're positioned. denying that racism is a I've problem. never des denied that racism is a problem. If you listen to the response I gave to that black pastor, my whole point is racism has been a major problem for most of our national history. But we're getting close to the promised land that Martin Luther King envisioned. We're as darn close to it as we ever have been. And so what bothers the heck out of me is it's right when we're close to that promised land. Martin Luther King said it. I may not get there with you, and he didn't get there with us. But I think it desecrates the legacy of our civil rights movement, desecrates the legacy of Martin Luther King, that right when we get closest to the point of having racial equality and gender equality and even opportunities for people of minorities of many types, are we perfect? No. But are we as close as we've ever been? Yes, we have. To then obsess over systemic racism, to then obsess over white guilt and otherwise, we're creating new waves of racism, Dasha, that we otherwise would have avoided right when we're closest to having achieved what even the proponents of the civil rights movement would have dreamed of. That's what bothers me. My exchange with that black pastor about, about a week or so ago, right here in Iowa, not far from where we are, was in Indianola, not far from where we are in Des Moines, was that we're founded on the pursuit of a more perfect union. The pursuit of liberty, equality, and justice for all. And I reject this left-wing narrative that's creating more artificial division. So I believe I will bring more black and Hispanic voters into our movement, not by saying fake poll-tested slogans, but by speaking the hard truth that we've been imperfect in our past, but let us celebrate the progress we've made and reject the media's cherry-picking narratives to actually get to the truth of the matter. And now, if we care about black lives, the things we're going to do isn't obsessing about white supremacy. Mr. It's actually fixing the problems in our cities, which I will do as our president. Wow. Uh, that was pretty powerful, right? Uh, there's another part of this. Um, so what he was referring to was this exchange he had with the uh, media. And the thing about that... Uh, is I played a, a portion of that clip last week, but I hadn't heard the first part of that clip until 
over the weekend. And I said, well, I'm going to include that. So let's take a listen to that. I mean, what this kind, who are you with? Which, Washington, Washington Post. All right. So potato, potato. Okay. Of course, I condemn any form of vicious racial discrimination in this country. But I think that the presumption of your question is fundamentally based on a falsehood that that really is the main form of racial discrimination we see in this country today. Institutionalized racism is institutionalized racial discrimination that we see that doesn't come from somehow discriminating against people on the basis of some tenet of white supremacy. It's based on affirmative action. It's based on actually discriminating against people on the color of their skin in a way that's actually institutionalized today. Was there a point in our history, at points in our prior national history, where there have been vicious forms of anti-black or anti-brown discrimination throughout this country after the Civil War and otherwise? Yes. But you're looking in the rearview mirror and using that to pose a question today that is so far removed from what the reality is in America today. This myth of white supremacy, the closest you can find is Jussie Smollett, where you all were actually speaking of trust in the media, jumping up and down over some false narrative. The best way you're able to find your best instance of white supremacy was a guy who was actually paying his other fellow people to be actually staging something that didn't happen. And so stop picking on this farce of some figment that exists at some infinitesimally small fringe of the American public today to open our eyes to the actual real threats that we face. And I think that it's frankly questions and framings like that that has caused the American public to lose all trust in the mainstream media, I'm sorry to say, for good reason. I'm not, I'm not going to recite some catechism for you. I'm against vicious racial discrimination in this country. So I'm not pledging allegiance to your new religion of modern wokeism, which absolutely fits, fits the test. I'm not going to bend the knee to your religion. I'm sorry. I'm not asking you to bend the knee to mine, and I'm not going to bend the knee to yours. But do I condemn vicious racial discrimination? Yes, I do. Am I going to play your silly game of gotcha? No, I'm not. And frankly, this is why people have lost trust. And I know you're going to go print the headline tomorrow. I already know this. We already know how your game works. Vivek Ramaswamy refuses to condemn white supremacy because you asked a stupid question. The reality is I condemn vicious racial discrimination in this country, but the kind of vicious and systematic racial discrimination we see today is discrimination on the basis of race in a very different direction. You want to know what the best way is to end discrimination on the basis of race? Stop discriminating on the basis of race. Do that and we're going to move this country forward. And I don't care whether you're black or white or brown or anything in between. That's how we're going to unite this country. You people have been responsible for dividing this country to a breaking point, creating a projection of national division. I meet people from the south side of Chicago to meetings like this one of every shade of melanin, multiple from man to woman, doesn't make a difference, who are hungry for reviving unity in this country. And you, with your catechism that you try to get to politicians to whatever fake headline you're going to print on the basis of this conversation tomorrow, that's what's dividing this country for a break, to a breaking point. Shame on you. Look people in the eye and tell them what you've actually failed to tell them for the last five years. Own the accountability for your own failures as the media. That's how we rebuild trust in this country. And until then, I don't have a lot of patience to play the games. Wow. That is unbelievable. Vivek is very special. The way he puts his arguments together. I used to think that Ted Cruz was the best debater. Uh, I have to say that Vivek really is one of the best debaters I've ever seen. Um, so I got this little thing from Tucker Carlson. Let's take a look. An listen. awful lot has happened. So he's going to talk about J6 here, Tucker Carlson. This is brand new. To American society and to the world over the past three years. But for our media and political class, most of it goes unmentioned because they're talking about something else. They're talking about January 6th 
the most solemn day in American history, a moment worse than Pearl Harbor, worse than 9-11, worse than the American Civil War. That's what they're telling us. It's hard to respond to this because even now, three years later, most Americans have no real sense of what happened on January 6th. And any attempts to tell them have been suppressed by the big tech companies or shouted down by NBC News and CNN and other news organizations. That's odd if you think about it. Why do most of us have no real idea what happened? There's probably no event in American history that was filmed by more people from more angles than January 6th. And yet, until very recently, no one had put together a timeline. What happened? People walked, some of them, from the White House to the Capitol. Some of them went inside the building. And we've been talking about the aftermath. But how did all of that happen? It's on tape. Why haven't we seen it? Well, if you've watched Joe Biden recently, you know why you haven't seen it. Because January 6th is a perfect way for the Democratic Party and, by the way, the Republican Party, for the party that controls this country, the Uniparty, to get what it wants, to suppress the population, to keep Donald Trump from running for president again, and to put its enemies in jail. Just the other day, Joe Biden, often derided as senile, didn't seem senile at all as he gave a speech about January 6th. He seemed like a fascist. Watch this. Watch Joe Biden celebrate the fact that his political opponents were sent to prison and listen as the crowd applauds him bragging about how these Trump voters are rotting in prison. Watch. Since that day, more than 1,200 people have been charged for their assault on the Capitol. Nearly 900 of them have been convicted or pled guilty. Collectively to date, they have been sentenced to more than 840 years in prison. Disgusting. What's Trump done? Instead of calling them criminals, he's called these these insurrectionists patriots. It was a Fed surrection, right? And so, you know, whatever. That's what I thought was telling about uh, uh, Tucker's uh, piece was that how is it that we don't know? I never heard that put that way before. And I thought that was kind of profound. And that's what I wanted you to hear. Um, But also the fact that people are cheering and clapping for this political. This is how it happens, folks. This is what was going on in the days of Castro uh, and imprisoning his political opponents uh, or Hitler. Uh, You know, this is the kind of thing that we've seen in history. It's happening among the Democrat Party today. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of the Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. Uh, Be sure to check out MAGAPAC.org. Find out how we're advancing America First policies each and every day on this show. Make a donation. If you'd like to keep the Scott Adams Show commercial free, use Red State as your promo code over at MyPillow.com. And we'll see you next time on the radio. Bye-bye, everybody. 